If tax season is worrisome for you and you feel like all things taxes and numbers and accountings are just all in a different language, you're going to want to tune into this episode. We have Melissa Whaley, a tax advisor and financial strategist on the show today, and she's going to be breaking down personal income tax as a business owner, but also sales tax. Because as you start to create and sell digital products, the question of whether or not you need to be charging sales tax is going to arise. So stay tuned for the answer to all those questions and more. You're listening to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast, where we feature everyday rebel women just like you who are taking charge of their life and creating a path to financial freedom by building a business online. I'm your host, Eden Freed, and it's time to build your empire. Do you want 2019 to be the year that you finally create and sell a profitable digital product? I've got good news for you. The first annual Rebel Boss Virtual Summit presented by Deadline Funnel and hosted by me, Eden Freed, is coming your way this February. From February 26th through 28th, 2019, you'll hear from more than 25 of the internet's smartest and most successful digital marketers, product creators, and entrepreneurs who are sharing their best tips and tricks to help you launch your next profitable digital product. Tickets are 100% free. Just head to rebelbosses.com to grab your free ticket to the virtual summit. Again, that's rebelbosses.com to grab your free ticket to 2019's premier digital product event. See you there. Rebels, welcome back for another episode. On the show today, we have Melissa Whaley, a virtual tax advisor for creative business owners. Melissa helps demystify taxes for people who light up over their work and freak out over their numbers. Melissa is a California native married to her college sweetheart and together they have four amazing kids. I loved having this conversation with Melissa because when she says she demystifies taxes, she's not kidding. And when she says she geeks out over taxes, she's not kidding about that either. It's all true. So if you're worried about taxes and you feel like tax language is just gibberish to you, this episode is definitely going to help you. You're going to understand how to approach your personal income tax, but you're also going to understand how to plan for sales tax because as you start to create and launch digital products, the question of sales tax really does become pivotal and really important for you in how to organize the pricing of your products. Without further ado, let's dive into it. Please welcome Melissa Whaley to the show. Melissa, thank you for joining us today. Really pumped to have you. Thanks, Eden. I'm stoked to be here with you guys. Okay, so as excited as I am to have you, I'm also just a little bit nervous because the topic that we're talking about today is something that it can be a little unnerving for a lot of people. But before we get into the details, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got started. Well, thanks. Yeah. So I am Melissa Whaley. I am a virtual tax advisor for online and creative businesses. Um, Basically, I've been nerding out over taxes for about 10 years now. And I kind of fell into the online space around 2014, kind of by accident, um, but more because I was trying to figure out how to run a business on my own and <laughs> do it from home while having kids and all that stuff. So I just fell in love with the online business owners and that space and have created a lot of community and friendships around that. And so I try to help people with the scary side of business, AKA taxes in finances. And I do this through services, courses, and products. Awesome. So you kind of do it all in a sense. Yeah. 
little bit. <laughs> okay, and you have you have four kids. I have four kids. And you and your husband have been together. You're college sweethearts, right? Yes. We met in college. He, uh, you know, wooed me with his camo pants and <laughs> boots walking around campus. <laughs> He'll probably kill me for saying that. but no. That's amazing. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't listen to this episode, but I love it. My husband and I also dated all the way through college and he had this pair of camo pants, shorts, actually. Yes. About four years in, I literally took them out of the drawer and completely hid them. So he would never be able to find them. I still have them somewhere, but I'm like, you are not wearing these anymore, buddy. Oh, man. It's so funny. Yeah, he would like literally walk around in like military surplus pants and like work boots and a white t-shirt. Like that's all he owned, I swear. Super fashionable. Who am I to talk? I'm not fashionable at all. I'm always wearing boots. <laughs> Anyway, all right, so let's talk about taxes. Again, like I said before, it is a little bit nerve-wracking to talk about taxes, and especially a lot of our listeners are brand new to the online business world, and they don't really understand what they should even be thinking about, especially because they're not yet earning a lot of money. So where should people get started? Like, What's the first thing people should do when they kind of open the doors to their virtual business? So I think the most important thing when you're first getting started is to try to keep your business and your personal finances separate. So like, obviously some of us are just, when we're just getting started, we're trying to experiment. We're like, let me see if this is a thing I want to do. So you're not necessarily going to go out before you even create a product and open a new bank account. But if you're like, putting this out there for sale, you know, you want to have a separate PayPal account. Okay. Don't mix your business and your personal PayPal account because that just gets messy. Um, So set up a separate PayPal account at least. That's easy. It's free. And most of the services that we're going to be using to sell our products are allow you people to pay through PayPal. Um, and then, you know, as things go along, it's really good to open a separate bank account just for the ease of tracking. Because I'm going to tell you from my experience, if you have to sort through a year's worth of bank statements because you had your business and your personal all running through one checking account and you're trying to hustle to do your taxes and you like, this is my story. I had a binder. And I printed out 12 months of bank statements and I had a highlighter. And this is before I even had my own business, but my husband had a business and I was not a tax person yet. And I had to highlight all the things that were his business expenses and income. And it was such a nightmare. So uh, that definitely inspired me to help people. But getting those things separate, it just makes it so much easier that even if you're waiting till the last minute to add everything up, it's all going to be in one spot. So you're not going to be bouncing between like, oh my God, I went to Target. Did I buy office supplies? Did I buy personal supplies? I don't have a receipt. I don't know. And so when you have it in a separate account, you know, every time I went to Target to buy office stuff, I put it on the business card. So I know it was a business expense. It just, it actually helps you get more deductions in the long run than if you're keeping everything mixed together. Um, so that's kind of the, the first step is getting those separate accounts set up. And it will just, like I said, make your life easier. And 
from there, you know, there's kind of these foundational things like getting your business name set up, the registering a DBA, um, getting a tax ID. So you can get a separate tax ID for your business for free on the IRS website. So if you have a business name, whether you're, you can even just have it for your personal name, like you may not operate under a brand name or a business name other than yourself, but you can still have this separate tax ID that again, gives you a little bit of separation between your business and your personal life, allows you to open up like official business accounts or business credit cards. And if you're um, getting 1099s from anyone, whether that's like a 1099 from PayPal or a 1099 because um, maybe you're also doing services for somebody that they're going to send you a 1099, you can protect your social security number by giving them the tax ID instead. So that's mm -hmm. really handy. Those are some of the kind of like very basic foundational things. Yeah, that's good. I mean, handing out your social security number can be nerve wracking for sure. Yeah, um, not super safe to do. I guess you can do it if you want to, but you can get that tax ID <laughs> for free, like you said, at the IRS yeah. website. Um, and I love that you mentioned opening up a separate bank account. Um, even if you're, a lot of people are nervous to do that because they're relying on the income, like anything that comes in through their business, they're relying on still. So they don't mm -hmm. want to take like paychecks and, you know, be stuck with different corporation regulations and how, right. how frequently you can pay yourself. But it's so easy to do, like just to open a separate bank account. But actually, are you, do you have any recommended apps, anything that, let's say people don't want to open a separate bank account, but they want to be able to delineate what was, you know. Yeah. So if, you, if you're still in that kind of like muddy waters phase, I would say QuickBooks self-employed. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is different than the regular QuickBooks online or desktop. Those are like way more robust and complicated programs, but QuickBooks self-employed is literally meant for people who mix business and personal together. Like, mm -hmm. and you can get the phone app or you can do it on your laptop or desktop. And it's awesome because it literally, you go through your bank transactions, your credit card transactions, your PayPal stuff and mark it as business or personal. And it's meant to just like spit out the reports that you need at the end of the year for doing your taxes. And it's also really good if you haven't done anything for the year, you can hook it all up now um, and get caught up for, you know, maybe 2018 tax accounting, all that stuff. Just get it done. Yeah. It's good to do Like you can still do a lot of retroactive stuff. I actually have yes. used QuickBooks self-employed and it really is very easy. You just hook up all of your credit cards, your banks, anything, PayPal, anything that you use, and then you click whether it was personal or business and yes. it does all of the calculating for you. And that's a good segue into um, estimated taxes because um, for quarterly taxes, it'll tell you exactly how much you should be paying and you literally just call with your information. And I know it's, Amazing. It's like magical, especially for people who are terrified of taxes and don't know what to do, don't know what to calculate. So what estimated or quarterly taxes is, is really it's you prepaying your tax bill throughout the year. Um, if you think about like when you work on a W-2 job and some of us might still have W-2 jobs and have this business, you know, we've kind of got a little bit of both going on. On your W-2 and your pay stubs, your employer is withholding taxes out of your paychecks and sending it to the government on your behalf. So they're making your life super easy because they're doing it for you. When you get into self-employed, you're now both the employer and the employee. 
So it's your job to make sure you're sending in your taxes throughout the year instead of just waiting until tax time and then getting this big bill and having to pay it off. So estimated taxes and like things like QuickBooks self-employed, they have these calculators built in based on how much money you're making and what other income you may have. Cause it has like a little profile you fill out, right? You tell it like, I also have this W2 income and I also have a spouse that has this W2 income. And I also expect this other thing. So it kind of gives you an idea of what you should be sending in throughout the year. Cause the, the goal of estimated quarterly taxes is that when you go to file your tax return sometime between February and April of the next year, you owe the IRS less than $1,000. So you may still owe them a little bit. You may not have paid in quite as much, or you may end up with a refund. But ultimately, as long as you owe the IRS less than $1,000, when you file your taxes, they're happy with you. Like they're cool. There's no penalties. There's no late fees. There's nothing. It's just like, cool, pay us the little bit that you owe us and we're call it square and on to the next year. Um, where the issues come in is when you owe them more than $1,000, when you go to file your taxes, then you've got underpayment penalties slapped on top of like whatever you owe them because they're basically saying like, hey, you were supposed to send us this money all throughout the year and you're holding out on us and we can't cash flow the government. So <laughs> it's you know, bad. I've been there. Job. I've yeah. been there. I did yeah. my first year. I had no idea. No one told me. They don't prepare you for this in college. No. No, they don't. <laughs> so I had to pay so much extra money. It's like they branded me and now I remember forever. I'm like, I got to start paying these quarterly taxes. I had no idea. And it's so hard in your first year too, because you really just don't know. Like there are people that they work really hard in their first year of business and they just don't see the sales or they're really like investing a lot of money to get started. Like maybe you're investing in courses or memberships or just like buying the things you need, like the software to create your product or the hosting for your product if you're doing like courses um, and so there's a lot of money they're putting in, but they may not have the stuff ready to sell in that first year, or it's like halfway through the year. So they don't have the sales that they may be hoping for, and they may have actually have a loss. And so even if you have a loss in your first year or like in the first five years, that's okay. And you still want to put those numbers on your tax return because it offsets other income. So like if you actually lost $500 in your first year of business because, you know, you spent more than you brought in, but you have a W-2 job and you, you know, made $50,000, that $500 is going to offset your W-2 income and you're going to pay less taxes because you had a loss, which is really awesome for taxes. <laughs> that is a really good thing to consider. Yeah. Because like you said, in those first few years, it can be really hard to, with all of the things that you're investing. But yeah. with that being said... It's important to track everything you're spending on because yeah. all of those are potential deductions. So do you have any tips or any like big things that you know people constantly forget to report that would be potential deductions? It's time to spread the love. All right, guys, you know the drill. Pause the episode. Go head on over to Instagram or Facebook and write a post sharing one thing that you've learned so far from this episode. Be sure to tag me at Eden Freed and tag Melissa at Melissa Whaley so that both of us can see it, share it, and engage with you and, you know, just continue the conversation offline. 
All right, let's head back to the interview and figure out some of those hidden deductions so that you're not leaving money on the table, you know, the important things. Okay, so here's one that I actually caught myself last year. Um, I didn't realize all the apps and things on my phone. So typically we have our phones connected to our personal bank account, you know, our personal card, whatever. So when we sign up for an app on our phone, it's charging to our personal. So even if we have our, especially when we have our business and our personal separate, you know, we're paying attention to what we're paying through the business account. But if we're got these other apps going through our phone and we're not even looking at what we spent on the other account, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm spending like 25 bucks a month on, you know, maybe a social media scheduling app or a productivity app or a freaking meditation app because being in business stresses me out. <laughs> all the things. Yes. Um, so that's one that like sneaks up and like hides. And the other one I, I kind of mentioned earlier was like the target thing, you know, when you make the run to the store and you're like getting, you know, shampoo and toilet paper and crackers. And then you go past the office supply aisle and you're like, Ooh, the planner catches your eye. You're the like, planners I, I and, the pens <laughs> and the markers and the notebooks and you know, the office decoration, right? Cause if you have an office space, you're like, I need this cute thing on my wall. Not that I have that at all. Like it's all behind me in my own. Yeah, you see all the bare walls behind you, me too. See this right now. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, but if you're if you're buying it all in one receipt, is so if you buy it all and you don't separate out when you're checking out, you kind of forget about the fact that you bought an office thing. And so that, that adds up. Um, and sometimes, you know, the bigger stuff that people are investing in that they're often confused or worried about deducting are things like a new laptop or um, new computer equipment, a camera, maybe some lighting, uh, a microphone. You know, these are, these are the kind of things that us in the online business world are buying, right? Like <laughs> we're not buying filing cabinets and right. <laughs> like, or, you know, scanners, maybe, I don't know. I have a scanner, but tax documents. So, um, those sort of things, people get worried like, Oh, can I deduct this? How do I deduct this? And if you're buying it for your business, you're using it in your business and you absolutely want to be tracking that and deducting that. And then, um, the other things that, you know, you may be worried about are like conferences or online courses or memberships. Those are, those are totally deductible. Like you do not have to worry about any of those sort of investments in your business. You absolutely can deduct them. Even like go through your Amazon account and check your orders for the year because a lot of times the books or like the audible subscription or um, those little things you bought for your office space are absolutely deductible and you don't want to miss out on those. Yeah. Don't leave money on the table. That is mm -hmm. stuff that you should definitely be reporting. Um, yeah. Okay. So I have to ask you, so um, when people are getting started, they don't really know how much of their income they should be putting aside, like right. not, you know, the untouchable money. If you, yeah. um, what, what's your, it, it's obviously very state by state, depending where you are, yeah. but do you have any recommendations there? Well, here's the thing you need to know. If you're in business, you're going to be paying two kinds of taxes on your actual tax return. So your annual tax return, you're going to pay income tax, which that varies person to person, right? Because there's the tax brackets 
And so you may be in the 15% tax bracket, or you may be in the 22% tax bracket, or you may be in the 30% tax bracket. Um, so that's going to vary a little bit by the total income of, you know, your household, whoever's filing on that tax return, but you're also going to pay self-employment tax. And that is 15% of your profit. So remember, you're only taxed on the profit of your business. And um, that's why it's so important to be tracking, you know, how much money you're bringing in, but also how much you're spending because the profit is after expenses, right? So you know for sure, if you know what your profit is, you have to set aside 15% to cover that self-employment tax. And then I usually suggest tacking on another 10 to 20% depending on kind of where you fall income tax wise. So if you know like, oh yeah, my spouse has a W-2 job and they make six figures. Like, yeah, you're going to want to be tacking on more like 20%. If you're like, yeah, we're broke and <laughs> we don't make a lot of money, then probably closer to that 10%. Um, and there's still like situations where you may have a profit in your business and you may not end up owing anything on your taxes because you have things like lots of kids and you get child tax credits or you were also in college and so you get education credits. So that's where, you know, like you want to be setting aside 15% so you have it, right? Because the best thing that can happen is that you go to file your taxes and you have this money set aside and then you don't owe anything. And then you're like, oh my God, I have this money. Free money. Yes. <laughs> right? It's the return so, you never got. <laughs> exactly. Um, so it's really helpful. And then, you know, but you know, you have it there. You can either keep it stockpiled for future years or give yourself a little bit of a bonus or, you know, buy something that you've been really wanting to invest in for your business it really is nice to have that there. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I fall. I know a lot of people will say like, oh, do 25% or do 20%. And so that's kind of thing. If you are in a state that has really high income tax, um, also you may want to, you know, tack on an extra five or so percent. Like I live in California. So like we are literally taxed until mm -hmm. we're practically dead. Um. <laughs> I lived in New York. I moved to Ohio, but I lived cool. in New York, which is yeah. pretty much as bad as California. Yeah, it's like California, New York, New Jersey. Like it's they're like tax vampires, you know. <laughs> yeah, like finally the Midwest. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So that's and then this is all like income tax. This is not even touching sales tax, which is a whole yes. separate so thing. Yeah, let's dive into that. So we're creating yeah. a digital product. We're selling a digital product. Do we need to, to charge sales tax for our customers? What do we need to be aware of? So the states are basically split almost 50-50 as far as what states tax digital products and what states do not. Um, so I have a... Um, a link, like an article that I did not write. It's on another website, but it is amazing because it literally breaks it down. So I'll make sure that we have that for your show notes mm -hmm. because okay. it really is helpful. This 2018 was like a crazy, insane year for tax legislation. Uh, so our income tax laws all changed. And then on top of that, there was a huge court case with sales tax that basically like flipped all the rules on its head. And so now the next couple of years are going to be this kind of weird 
place where states are going to be adjusting their laws and things are going to be changing. And so the thing you want to make sure is research your own state where you're physically located first and make sure you know whether you need to be taxing digital products to sales within states, right? So like I'm in California, California does not tax digital products. So anyone that I sell to in California, I don't have to add sales tax to, but say you're in um, another state like Vermont has digital products are subject to sales tax. And so if I lived in Vermont and I had actual like customers that bought from Vermont, I would need to make sure that I set up my shopping cart system to charge them sales tax, or I would have to pay the sales tax, you know, on it to Vermont, whether I charge it to the customer or not. Um, and so, but then you have the issue of outside your state sales. And so that's where things are getting a little crazy. Um, different states are now, they create this thing like a threshold when often we use the word nexus. So basically like if you sell over X number dollar amount or X number of sales in certain states, then you have to start collecting and sending in sales tax for that state. So most of the thresholds are pretty high. Like a lot of states, you know, it's like $200,000, like hundreds of thousand dollars. So until you're hitting those like six figure marks of sales and even multiple six figures of sales, you're not going to have to worry too much about it. There's a great service. Um, it's a website called taxjar.com and they're amazing. They're like my go-to tax sales tax info place. And they will actually like run a check for you. So you can, you know, connect your e-commerce platforms or upload a CSV depending on whether, you know, it's a compatible um, cart and they'll like check and see, do you have nexus in any state outside your own? And so that's really handy to have that. Um, again, once you're getting like really high profits, when you're just, you know, getting started and like normal sales, you don't really have to worry about sales tax too much. Just make sure you check your state where you live. Okay. That's really good information. And this is a good thing to keep in mind when you're looking for a tool to sell your digital product. So let's say you're, you're creating a membership site and you're using yeah. a built-in form that they provide, make sure that they have the capabilities to charge sales tax. Um, mm -hmm. cause some of them don't just to put that out there. Some no. of them don't have that functionality and it's a really big pain in the butt to try and figure yeah. out how to make it work for you. A lot yeah. of the big shopping cart platforms do, but this is just something, one of those yeah. things to add to your list to make sure before you commit to something that they have that functionality. Yeah. And some of the bigger like digital product platforms are now updating to include this. So I know like teachers pay teachers did not have the capability to include sales tax until about three or four weeks ago. Um, cause I, like I have a client that sells there and it's all digital products and she's supposed to collect, you know, sales tax on stuff because of where she lives. And up until the latest update, like they literally didn't have a place to put it. So she's like, what do I do? <laughs> Yeah, that was, that's what happened to me. The, uh, the tool that I used for my membership site uh, didn't for a while. And then um, after a little bit of pushing and prodding, they did, yeah. they did actually add it, thankfully. But I'm curious what your recommendation is. So let's say you're living in a state as a seller that doesn't require sales tax, but you're potentially selling to people in states that do require it. 
Um, yeah. And the tool that you're using doesn't configure that based on the state they're in. It's just, it's not there. So yeah. do you just collect sales tax from everyone at that point? No, I would recommend not. It's actually better to like not tack on sales tax and eat the sales tax out of your profit for the specific places you need to collect it. But really, if you're at a level where you're needing to collect sales tax from other states than your own, and your, your platform that you're selling on doesn't have the capability, it's time to upgrade platforms. Mm -hmm. I mean, reality is like, because some of the, the bigger ones, you know, like Shopify or um, WooCommerce, those kind of places, like they are very capable of handling the sales tax because they're, they're meant for both physical and digital products, right? And so you know that if you were using a a sales uh, cart or platform that can handle both physical and digital products, then they're definitely going to be able to handle sales tax. If they're digital product only, you may have to bug them to get it set up or make sure that they have that capability before you commit to really like putting a ton of products up on this platform. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do your homework before exactly. you quote unquote, get in bed with the company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, cool. So you've shared a lot of really great information on the income tax and sales tax side of things. Is there anything else that people listening in really should know on either of those ends about taxes? Uh, you know what I think people need to know is the IRS is not out to get you. Like they're not horrible, like scary monsters who are just like, come eat the little business owner. Like <laughs> They really aren't out to get you. Um, they're actually easier to work with a lot of times, like if there are issues, than states. So like I tell people, if you owe money to both your state and to the IRS, like pay your state first. And then the, uh, you work out a payment plan with the IRS, right? Because that's the thing. If you owe the IRS, you can always set up a payment plan with them. Um, things can be negotiated. I mean, I don't recommend negotiating with the IRS a ton on your own, especially if you owe a large amount. But um, they're really willing to work with people if you're willing to communicate with them. Like the worst thing that you can do is ignore a letter from the IRS. So if you get a letter, like, sit down, take a deep breath, like grab a glass of wine if you need to <laughs> read the letter and then read it again and be like, okay, what are they asking me here? Because a lot of times like the letters that you get are just asking you like, Hey, can you just like check this box to verify what we have is correct? Or they're like, Hey, we calculated your taxes and you sent this dollar amount, but you actually owe us this because of late fees. And you're like, Oh, okay. That sucks, but I'll pay yeah. it. Um, or occasionally it'll be like, hey, you did your taxes on TurboTax and forgot to enter this form. So we've had to recalculate your tax return. And this is the end result. And it could be positive or negative. Like you literally never know. So don't um, freak out and think that they're good. They're never going to knock on your door and take you to jail. Like they don't do that unless you're like John Gotti, bad, <laughs> like do other crimes and the only way they can get you is on tax fraud kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> That's amazing. Don't be like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This was so good. I really appreciate you coming in and making numbers a little bit less intimidating for those of us non-numbers folks. Yeah. Uh, but tell us where we can find you online. 
Uh, yeah. So uh, my website is melissawhaley.com. You can find about how to work with me and um, got some cool blog posts over there. And I spend most of my time on Instagram, probably too much time. So <laughs> follow me over there. It's at Melissa Whaley. Um, and I do a lot of tax tips on my Instagram and uh, a lot of really random stuff on my stories. And you'll see my cute kids. Um, and if you guys need some extra help figuring out what the heck you can deduct, I have a tax deduction guide. So yay, digital products. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a PDF guide. Uh, you can grab that either from my website or there's a link on my Instagram account. Awesome. And I'm going to share the links to your social profiles and your website and all your goodies um, in the show notes. So anyone looking for more information on taxes and just to stalk Melissa virtually online like I do, you can head to the show notes. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Melissa, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. And hopefully we will talk again sometime soon. Yes. Thank you. You just listened to episode 12 of Rebel Boss Ladies with guest expert Melissa Whaley, who's a tax advisor and financial strategist. This is a perfectly timed episode because as tax season starts to roll around, you're going to want to make sure to get your stuff together. Get, make sure that you have all those deductions lined up. Make sure that you have receipts for everything, that you've hooked your accounts up to a great accounting tool. Again, QuickBooks Self-Employed is an amazing option that I personally use and highly recommend. If you're interested in learning more from Melissa, go follow her on her social media channels. She's always sharing such incredible information for free on social media. So it's a really great place to hang out. And if you're interested in learning more from her in a more detailed setting, like she mentioned earlier, she does have a tax deduction guide for sole proprietors. Proprietors? Can't speak. <laughs> and that is less than $6. So if you're interested in that, I'll drop the link. Super cheap digital product with a buttload of information that could end up saving you tons of money in the long run. Think about all the deductions that you might be missing right now. Melissa's going to help you uncover those so that you can save more money in the long run. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode. Keep kicking ass, keep putting in the work, and most importantly, keep showing up. <laughs>